one of the tactics we had to adopt was, okay, tech's kind of struggling at the moment. Where else can we go to actually grow the business or to sustain? And so we set it on a very niche area within professional services. But it just goes to show that you can't always be stuck on doing the things that you've always done. You do have to have some room in there to learn and grow and pivot and also innovate. And that is probably one of the most hardest to do, I think, tactics or strategies. But if you do it well, it can help you get to the next level in terms of business. This is James Schramko. James Schramko here. Welcome back to my podcast. This is episode 1010. Today, we're talking about lead gen or lead generation with Will Wang from Growth Labs with a Z.com. G'day, Will. Hey, James. Thanks for having me back on. It's always a pleasure. We get great feedback. And of course, most of us need leads whether we're a consulting business, software as a service, e-commerce, a coach, we're an agency, whatever we do, we're going to need customers. And for a lot of us, the customers are going to come from different places. But what you've been able to do is specialize in going and getting customers for people who aren't really strong with that, which is terrific. We need people like you out there. (laughs) Today, we're going to be sharing five lead generation tactics and reveal a few tips that can help you get your next leads. If you're sitting there wondering, where's my next customer coming from, then this episode is for you. So Will, when you were thinking about this episode, what was going through your mind? Yeah, I was thinking about what we can share to the audience that have watched a few of these episodes before, and they've gone through what we do in terms of the cold email or in terms of ads, and just thinking, well, how can we go and, and maximize all of that and get even better leads? And you know, what other strategies and tactics we've used that are currently working and bringing really good results for our clients. Okay, so when you say our clients, what type of businesses, are the ones I mentioned about, right, or do you have some specialty in certain types of businesses you've been working with? Yeah, so they're about right. Most of the clients we work with, they fall into two camps. One is they're a little bit bigger, you know, businesses doing over $10, $20 million a year, uh, very much B2B, very much high ticket. And the other side of that is we do work with um, coaches and consultants and uh, people running businesses, probably just not uh, yeah, a little bit under a million, but also doing a high ticket or B2B service and then just need more leads. So we kind of work with both sides of the market in terms of size. Cool. So I'm going to be interested in comparing this to the smaller businesses that I often work with, people doing a few hundred thousand dollars a year, a couple of million dollars a year. Will it work for them? Yeah. So... In execution, it's going to be a little bit different, but in terms of talking through the strategies and tactics, we've actually run this for both sizes of the market. The tactics definitely work for both. I believe they do. I've certainly used all of these tactics, so uh, let's see how they go. So lead generation tactic number one is? Yeah, it's events. So what I mean by events, it's not just rocking up to events, it's not sponsoring, it's not exhibiting. What I meant is looking at events where you're you know, ideal leads, ideal clients are going to be and leveraging a way of getting in touch with them before and after. So if you think about what companies generally do with these events is they spend thousands, if not tens or even hundreds of thousands of dollars going to these events and sending their staff over. And then they don't really do anything besides from just turning up. But one of the best ways to stand out at these events or get leads and actively use these events to generate revenue is to set meetings before, during and after. And so one of the tactics and strategies that works really well for some of my clients is we look at the events that they want to be or their dream clients are at. We create a list of people we want to speak to. They might not even necessarily have to be companies or people going to these events. It's just that we think they could potentially be sending staff to these events. 
And we then use what we, you know, one of our favorite tactics, which is called emails and reach out to set meetings before we even turn up. A lot of people are scared of cold email. What does that entail in this case? Yeah. So in this case, what we typically do is we, you know, as a two second overview of how we run cold emails is we find the right emails for the people we want to speak to. We then write really, really good emails. So for example, our typical campaigns get 70, 80% open rates and 20 to 40% reply rates. And we use cold emails to generate meetings, right? Not to sell to people, but to generate meetings and to qualify and disqualify in terms of should we be having a conversation with this person or not. Nice. I've seen a version of this when there's an event in our industry. I've seen often there's in Facebook groups, for example, they say, who's going to this event? Uh. And people say, yes, I'll be there or whatever. And I know for a fact people send direct response messages. Hey, I'd love to meet you when you're there. Could we catch up for a, a coffee or a dinner or whatever? I've certainly built my business off the back of going to live events, especially overseas, and building out my relationships. In fact, it doesn't even have to be that difficult. I just had a few friends visit my region over the weekend, and I actually I went surfing with uh, five or six people who are all my customers. Mm-hmm. And some of them arranged it before they got here, and one of them arranged it even when he was here with someone else, and he, he just saw that I was going and asked to come along. and it was facilitated. Then we got to have a business discussion on the, on the walk there because it was a Man. 30, 40 minute walk each way. So when you've got an event and you can organize that contact time with the perfect prospect, I imagine you're really maximizing your strategy there. And something that comes to mind for this under the event category is the very best event that I ever spoke at and attended was an event run by a software company. Man. And that was, I think, because... Everyone at that event was paying $300 per month for software. So in terms of your qualifying filter, I felt like the people at that event were highly qualified. They already had a business that could justify $300 per month spend on software. They're exactly the type of people who could spend $100 a month or $1,000 a month on coaching. And it was easy for me to meet with people while I was there. But the cold email thing, that just is the icing on the cake, isn't it? It's strategically arranging the things that you want to happen when you're there rather than just turning up. And I think you said it before, the companies send their team often with no other plan than just to show up. And probably some of these people are like, oh, great, I get to have a few days away (laughs) from the office, right? That's exactly it. There's a rich suburb in Sydney called Mossman. And apparently there was record divorce rates because a lot of these business high flyers were stuck during COVID <laughs> in their house with their spouse and realized that they couldn't have their escape for the <laughs> going, off, <laughs> going away from the, going overseas for conferences and stuff. I think there's a whole culture of people just getting away mm. from what they're doing. <laughs> but if you could be meeting those people, having meals or whatever, I've had hundreds and hundreds of meals and chats with people at these events. I think it's a solid tactic. And we're now in an era where travel and events are very possible. Yeah, definitely. I've personally done two events this year and they've been by far and away our best lead generators into our business. And it's not just also you know, pre-events. I mean, that's something you have to do, but it's also post-event as well, because there's people at the event that, you know, I mean, during events, you're so busy, you're trying to network, you're trying to speak to everyone you can. You don't really get the time to go deep into conversation or actually meet people properly. At least I, I don't find I, I give that time. So it's also very important to make sure that you're following up with emails or even phone calls or direct mail after the event as well. But events can be just an an absolutely amazing lead generator. And we've had clients who've got events planned 12 months in advance and just we just roll out cold email campaigns every single month based on the events that they're actually going to. 
Well, I noticed uh, when I used to go to the big events where there'd be thousands of attendees, I could usually meet about 120 people mm. over the few days. And I'd list them in my notes in my phone. And my strategy at the time, when I meet people, I'd, I'd try and friend them on socials so that we have that contact. Mm. But also, if I found out what challenge they're having, I would offer to send them a training because I had so many trainings on every topic, right? Yeah. So if I met you and you're a stranger and you say, hey, listen, I, re- I really need some help with a membership, then I'd say, hey, Will, I'm happy to send you over my membership training. What's your email address? Mm. And you would tell me your email address and I would send an email to my team saying, please send Will my membership training. And they would add you into the membership training. And now I've got that email, a record to follow yeah. up. And then I can, after the event, say, hey, how are you enjoying that membership training? Yeah. And we go on to the next level relationship. So I've generated lots and lots of members with this strategy of gathering the list of names and then following up afterwards. In some cases also I've sent things, you know, lumpy mail yep. in the post, like something uh, if there was an inside story or whatever. Like there was one guy who I was saying, listen, he was stuck in his team. He's having a lot of trouble with the team. And I said, mm. you need to imagine that you've been posted to the Arctic Circle for six months <laughs> and you'll have no contact with your team. You need to build systems that could have your business run for that long while you're away. Yep. And basically I went on to uh, Amazon and I sent him a stuffed penguin. And so out of nowhere, this stuffed penguin arrives with a little note, you know, have fun on your trip. And it really made a point. And this is a, this is a member I've had for seven years now in, uh, wow. in coaching. So I think this event thing is solid, the, the email and the follow-up. Mm. Why go to events if you're not going to maximise it, you know, follow-up? And if you are the one of those people just going for a little blow off some steam, you could do so much more with it. Great tip, Will. Yeah. What's tip number two? Yep, tip number two, kind of similar to events, but it's actually speaking on stage or on podcasts. So rather than just being a participant, actively being the one who's sharing knowledge or, or who's up on stage. And so there's a bit of a strategy around this. Obviously, it's not going to work. You've never spoken before and you just rock up to an event and said, hey, can I speak on stage? So there is a bit of a buildup. But in general, the way that I've seen it done and the way that I've done it myself is to one, you can pay for it and shortcut the process and be a sponsor and get a spot on stage. But if you don't have the budget for it, it does take a little while to build up. So I've been fortunate enough to speak on some amazing stages, including yours, James. I mean, you were saying before, best event you've ever been to. My personal best event is probably the one that you held last time. But it, did, you know, it took me a little while to build up to the point where I could speak on that stage. And so in my journey and for some of my clients, it's all about finding smaller stages where they can kind of hone their craft, they can hone their presentation skills, communication skills, and get to the point where they've got enough of a highlight reel to start reaching out to people or event organizers and asking them to get on stage. But there's so many events out there that you should really start building that portfolio now. I think my event would have been good for you because everyone at my event is a paying customer and highly qualified and also they're attracted to the same sort of values that I have, like direct approach, integrity, et cetera, going against the grain right. for a lot of the hype in the market. And I don't hype my ticket sales. And that means the people come really want to be there, which is awesome. Yeah. I can so speak to this. I've done it every possible way. In the early days, in fact, one of the folders on my wall down there is my first presentation that I did. It was a sales training presentation. It was the training that... I gave to a client when I was at Mercedes-Benz. He said to me, James, you sell so well. You've sold me like a dozen cars. And I have a financial planning agency. These people are not very good at selling. Can you come and teach (laughs) them to do whatever you're doing to me? And I said, I will. And I went up to my boss and I said, 
can I train a client? I'll do it. I'll put in annual leave. I'll do it on a day off. He said, yeah, sure, but charge plenty. And I charged $4,000 for half day training. And I built my presentation, my speech, and I I built it in PowerPoint and then I printed off a hard copy as a backup. And I went to deliver it. The the guy who was responsible for the overhead projector called in sick and he had the key. So there was no presentation (laughs) ability to to project it. I had to work off my printout and I delivered that present. But it was my first sort of time delivering to an external party. I mean, I was doing weekly meetings for my team, which was 21 people. There was a lot of people in that. So just so much time. But I actually used that $4,000 to buy my laptop. which is how I got back online in 2005. So I actually funded my business speaking from a platform or from a boardroom in this case. I took the same presentation. I delivered it to a group uh, that my mum had organized of local business chamber. And I delivered a selling presentation to them. So I took it from my sales training team to the the client, to my mum's thing. And then I started getting more comfortable speaking. And then I went to have a coffee with this guy called Andrew Clasey in the city and he was speaking in an event and he said james i have to go home early you take my spot i said i don't know how to speak to him there was 500 people and uh he said no you'll be great you know more about this than i do and he went to the promoter and he said that look this guy's taking my spot they're like who the hell is this guy he goes don't worry he's really good and i delivered my first presentation for 90 minutes and i'd already Delivered this to the Warrior Forum back at the back in the day. Had a Queensland yeah. meetup. I drove my family up there just after I quit my job. This is in two thousand and eight. We drove up there, mm-hmm. and I delivered this presentation to a room of forum members for free. Yeah. So I took the exact same presentation, delivered that to this room. One lady, Sally Schinkel, purchased my program. She said, "James, I don't know anything you just said, but I really trust you." <laughs> and I made four thousand dollars in. 90 minutes and it was like wow you know and I, <laughs> then i started getting on stage more and after that i spoke from world internet summit through to universal uh, events and i spoke in london and dubai and uh, the usa and dominican republic etc and i have spoken to the event promoter the night before and got on stage the next day twice yeah i've won awards from it and it was it was amazing And I can speak to this. If you are up on the platform, people will regard you as an authority. Mm. They will trust you because someone decided to put you on the stage in front of their audience, that you have a lot of conversion clout, Mm. that you can maximize sales. I often saw sales in the region of 25, even 50% of the room would buy my product. So it's a very high converting platform. It's not as leveraged as some of the online methods because there's a limited number of people in the room. But these days, a lot of people telecast. But where the real leverage is, and this is the biggest secret of all, it's often the other speakers. Yeah. Because the other speakers have an audience and you can follow up those people to do, I think, the next tactic, right? So your peer group of speakers, the people in the green room, the people who are up on the platform too, you bond with them and and form great alliances and friendships with them. That's where the strength comes from. I was speaking at Buck Risby's event in Colorado, and one of the other speakers there was John Benson, and he said, you should come and speak at my mastermind. And there was a 30-person yeah. group of the world's best copywriters, and Dave Asprey was there, the bulletproof guy. Like, yep. And they were hanging <laughs> off their seat for my presentation on subscription memberships. And it just 
it goes deeper. You can pretty much, it's like dominoes. You speak well at a few events, you'll be invited to speak at more events. And I spoke at traffic and conversion and underground. And I've done so much speaking. I don't do any speaking anymore, which is fascinating. However, it was critical in me building up that flywheel to have the business I have now. So I'm down for speaking as a tactic. Maximize your other speakers. And I'll give you one extra bonus tip here. Ezra Firestone, when he started speaking and he was invited to speak at Traffic and Conversion, and he said, it's a no-pitch event. How do I maximize it? And I said, when you're up on stage, say that you come to events like this to meet you. So when I'm finished with this presentation, I want you to come and say hi to me. To introduce yourself. Tell me whatever challenge you're having. I'll solve it for you. I'm here to meet you and connect. And he was swamped. He had hundreds of people. It was like... (laughs) I think at the time that event was about two and a half thousand people. Yeah. It had hundreds of people pursuing him. I mean, he's super famous now, of course. But this was in the early days. So I, I think that's a good thing to keep in mind. Connect with yeah. people, jot down their details, send them something for free and follow them up. Yeah, definitely. I'm loving this so, so far. So what's tactic number three? Yep. So tactic number three is actually built off the back of, so every one of these tactics kind of builds off the one before it. They're stacking together nicely, actually. (laughs) Yeah. It's like this massive flywheel effect. And number three is actually all about partnerships. So exactly like what you were saying is every time I'm up on stage or when I'm speaking, generally what I find is that there's always another speaker that does something similar to me or serves similar clients. In most cases at marketing events that I speak at, for example, we all serve the same client. And so I've had amazing partnerships come off the back of this. I've recently spoken at an, an SEO event, which by the way, I've got no back to speak at. I didn't do any SEO when they offered it as a service, but because of that enough speaking in the past, they just said, hey, you're an amazing speaker. Can you come and speak about cold emails? But from that event, the amount of partnerships I've built in terms of, uh, there's a LinkedIn expert on there and we're partnering up to deliver LinkedIn content plus cold emails. There's someone else on there as well who does an- another event. So from that, I've leveraged another speaking gig based in Chiang Mai now. And there's other partnerships that come out of people on stage. And so kind of touching on the point that you had before was a lot of people who go and do speaking, they do the speaking, then they kind of run away and just sit there in a room by themselves. If you can ask people, hey, come up to me and talk to me, I'm going to be in this area, that leverages into partnerships really, really well. And partnerships can transform a business. So one of the things that I look at in terms of partnerships is, you know, if, if you're not speaking on stage, where else can you find these partners? So if you don't have them coming to you, you've got to go through to them. And so very early on in my business, one of the things I did was I looked at other industries that serve the same clients, whether it was web development companies, whether it was SEO companies I've partnered with in the past, whether it's cold email companies, I've partnered with them to deliver training to, to their users. There's a lot of different possibilities and it kind of goes hand in hand with the idea of getting the borrowing the authority of the partner that you're working with. It's perfect. I mean, thinking about our partnership, Will, with Growth Labs with a Z.com, I remember sitting at the Oaks Hotel in Neutral Bay and you said, I want to work together with you. You made that happen. You were at my event, uh-huh. our local meetup, which we have for members occasionally. Actually, we ran them every single month for many, many, many years. And <laughs> I think they're back on again now. But it's uh, fascinating to look back at the start. In fact, one of my other partnerships with uh, Click, the software, klaq.com, yeah. that was, John came on my boat on the Maldives. He just turned up on the boat. I never heard of this guy before. <laughs> I'd heard of the software, what it was called back then, 
through other people's conversations, but he's just on the boat. I'm like, why are you here on the boat? He goes, I'm here to be on the boat and to hang out with you and <laughs> get to know you and uh, talk to you about my software and get some ideas on what I should do with it and, and see where we can take it. But I th- feel like he had a very strong idea that I would be a good partner for him. Mm. And uh, well, that's turned out to be the case. Hopefully, who would say that? But <laughs> my partnerships, and I, I do uh, a lot of my business is based on long term partnerships. So you need to be exposed to opportunities to find those partnerships, whether you're creating mm. the opportunity with your cold emails, whether you're getting yourself speaking on events, get those partnerships, get the good ones and weed out the bad ones. You go, you're going to have to kiss a few frogs to find your prince, right? Um. Yeah, on that evolution. But there's certainly speaking opportunities, especially podcasts that I've been at, where I generate clients every single time I attend Uh, on a podcast. And, you know, I'm hoping to create that platform for my guests as well, that they, they come with great information. The payoff is people who have a challenge or a problem that they need solving will identify with that guest and say, I will follow them up and ask them for help. So let's talk about lead generation technique number four. So number four is something that I've had to kind of grapple with recently for my own business as well, and that's innovation and changes in strategy. So this is a little bit different to the other ones where it's not a set tactic. It's not going to do A, and if you do A in the right way, you'll possibly get solution B. This one's a little bit more uh, nuanced because you've got to think through a lot of things. But the reason why I wanted to bring this up as a tactic is because things change the world. So just to give you some context, previously... When I look at my mix of clients and my portfolio of clients and you know, RevShare partners that I've got now, 75% of them were actually in technology. They were in tech, in software, or you know, funded startups and things like that. And recently, you know, this is obviously going to be in, in an evergreen strategy you've always got to look at, but recently the tech industry has taken a massive hit. So mass layoffs everywhere, funding's just dropped off a cliff. And so we were kind of going through a period where it was like, well, we're not getting new clients on board. So we're having a lot of good conversations, a lot of good you know, sales conversations coming through, but there just wasn't a budget there. And so one of the tactics we had to adopt was, okay, tech's kind of struggling at the moment. Where else can we go to actually grow the business or to sustain? And so we set it on a very niche area within professional services, but it just goes to show that you can't always be stuck on doing the things that you've always done. You do have to have some room in there to learn and grow and pivot and also innovate. And that is probably one of the most hardest to do, I think, tactics or or strategies. But if you do it well, it can help you get to the next level in terms of business. There's a lot of reasons why it's hard to do because you get comfortable and comfort can be the enemy of growth. People also may not be aware or have a finger on the pulse of what's changing. That's why I'm often talking about dashboards and reporting and data. You've got to have the data. If you don't have the data, you can't make decisions and then you can't do things like DDD. So this is a huge part of what I do. I do this for a living. I, I often say on this podcast, when I quit my job, I made a commitment to myself that I will always adapt that i will innovate and you saw my whole business get completely rearranged last year i'm back to my personal domain i've got one primary product that i'm really obsessively focused on of mine and then i help my partners with their products that's basically it they're the two streams that i focus on and it's been transformative now i just had a call this morning with a partner and in this case the target audience, there was an issue with churn. And so one of the filters we said is what type of client never churns? Yeah. And we mapped out the portfolio of clients. 
we found the perfect type of client and then we made a plan to go after that type of client. So that is now the prime filter before we do anything. Yeah. Is this speaking to the type of client that doesn't churn? And that's a client who has an ongoing need, by the way, obviously. Yeah. But there were certain clients that churn quickly and certain clients that don't churn. You can build a portfolio of people who don't churn, which is why I like really long-term partnerships. Then you can focus on having great product. So it actually shifts your day-to-day operations from lead gen and conversions. Mm-hmm. By the way, if you don't want to do lead gen and conversions, you just hire someone like Will growth labs with a z.com because he can do that part while you focus on the product and i think focusing on great product is very important right now with the shifting sands of ai with the rise of the robot having a great product is critical you either need to build a moat around ai or you need to incorporate it to survive so we have to be aware of these sort of changes but i feel like the innovation strategy part is a huge part of what I do. And I, I want to share a lesson that I learned about this. Uh, it was back when I was a salesperson. It was about 1997, 1998. So it's a long time ago. <laughs> we used to, I worked for Mercedes-Benz head office branch in Mercedes-Benz of Sydney. It was owned by the factory. And one of the things that I would do occasionally is we'd have to drop off a car to someone important. And so head office sent me this E-Class Mercedes-Benz, an E320. And I had to go and drop it off to some guy out near Amaru Park. And I'm driving it out there and I had to pick up his car. And it's basically a brand new company car. And I went to this little office and it was MTU. I still remember this. And uh, he had a German name. And I gave him his new car key and he gave me his old car. And I said, by the way, like, what is MTU? What do you actually do? He goes, oh, well, we're owned by Detroit Diesel which is owned by Mercedes-Benz or Daimler Chrysler. So it's basically one of the divisions of our company. And he said, we make diesel engines, big diesel engines. He said, you won't believe this, but the same diesel engine could be in uh, one of those earth-moving trucks, you know, those big Mm -hmm. tipper trucks. Yeah, massive ones. He said, but they also put them in trains, so those diesel locomotives. And we also put them in Navy vessels, Navy boats. Wow. Like the same engine. And it just blew my mind. And this is something that this lesson just keeps coming back. So I would say to someone who's sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, you know, my market's tanked and no one's buying anymore. I'd say, hang on, you're an engine. You just need to change your vessel, your vehicle. So go from a boat to a truck or from a truck to (laughs) a train, right? And this is what I'm often having this conversation Mm. with Facebook agencies. They're like, what if Facebook dies? I'm like, well, you've got an engine. You have a lead getting, copywriting converting, data analysis, traffic machine, like put that engine in a different platform, go and be a Pinterest expert or a TikTok expert or whatever, same engine, different vehicle, this lesson comes over and over. So I took my engine last year and put a new vehicle around it, Uh, but I'm still the same me. I still have the same knowledge and experience or even more than last year. I've got new tools to enhance and augment, yeah. but I've got a new vehicle. Yeah. So this is the critical thing. I, I really like this lead generation tactic because what we're saying here is simply this. Take your engine and make a new vehicle, which could be a new client source, yeah. a new way of promoting your product. So for the person I was helping this morning, our old message was we don't grow your business or whatever. 
The new message is we help you have the very best product. Let other people help you grow it and do that. Let we'll help you grow the business. What we do is make you have the very best product in the market and we change the wrapper around the outside of this engine. So this is a critical point. And I thought that story was worth sharing on this topic because it stuck with me for more than two decades, (laughs) right? And it's been a, a life lesson for me. And, and I think just from personal experience, James, I think you're so good at this as well, because it's definitely something I've seen firsthand with your help on this as well. Because one of the things that we've recently done is looked at this idea of, you know, taking everything that we did and breaking into components. So for example, for the past couple of years, I haven't done one-to-one coaching, but I've still done it for the clients that use us for lead generation. So one of the things you've helped me with is going and well, saying, hey, it's still the same engine, but why don't we offer one-to-one coaching again? Because it's something that I actually enjoy and something that our clients get a lot of results from. So that's first-hand experience I've got from doing that. And who are you coaching one-to-one now, just in case someone's listening who might be interested in that? Yep. So we're coaching the smaller B2B business owners, smaller meaning they're doing you know, $150,000, $300,000 a year who want the strategic help to get to the next level. So those are the ones that we're coaching and seeing some amazing results with. And can you define that more? It sounds like what I do, but what's different about what you do than what I do? We coach specifically on, on lead generation. Now, I, I don't pretend like I know how to restructure their business like you would. It's basically the consultants who are so good at doing what they do, but they're just in more leads, or they're just in more sales or clients coming through. Perfect. So we help to give them the strategy on the selling and also lead generation side. And that gets them to the point where they can come through and potentially partner with you in terms of looking at the operations. So basically, it's a, a done with you lead generation coaching yeah. One-to-one. Exactly. High level. Basically, you're going to tune them up to teach them what you know. Exactly. Well, let's uh, go over to the top lead generation tactic number five. Yep. So five is all about leveraging content. And so this is something we've stumbled across recently. Uh, and I'll stick my hand up and say, you know, we've been so direct response focused, so focused on sending cold emails, getting the reply rate, getting the sale. Uh, we've actually been off the LinkedIn platform for a while. So we used to offer LinkedIn as a service with the outreach and things like that. But when they started restricting things and when LinkedIn started to get crowded, we kind of jumped off the platform and said, hey, it's just not worth it. There's too much spam going on. There's you know, not enough opportunities to connect. But from the, one of the partnerships we've developed recently, I've seen how well we can leverage the content. So what we do now, a new tactic we've come up with, and it's you know, done really well in testing over the past couple of months, is using really good content and then leveraging the content to reach out and connect with people and cold email people who have connected with your content to start the conversations. So that's something that we've recently tested, but it's just working so well because the content itself is, it's almost like you know, a piece where you put yourself up on stage and you share some thought leadership and everyone who likes it generally has some kind of interest or has or resonates with it somewhat. So even if they're not a direct lead, we've had situations where we've asked people who connect with the content, hey, who do you think this would be grateful? Or you know, why did you like the content? And they'll come up and say something like, oh, I heard a friend of mine talking about this the other week. I liked it so I could pass it through to them and hence get referred through to the person who's actually interested. So this is something that we're starting to develop a system around, but you can easily do it for yourself where you post something up, look at who's connecting, reach out to people and then go again and you know, up the amount of content and up the amount of outreach. Are you doing this in the platform or out of the platform? Uh, we're doing a little bit of both. Because I do get emails from people on LinkedIn and I'm not sure how they're doing that, but... They're definitely coming from LinkedIn, there's no question. <laughs> they say it, hey, we've connected recently on LinkedIn, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So there must be something that's doing that. 
Yeah. So we actually build email lists off LinkedIn. So that's a service that we do for our clients. And one of the best ways to do that is obviously to have some kind of call to action or some kind of personalization. So that's really how they're doing it as well. And it's definitely something that we do for clients. So our original LinkedIn is still not quite there. You still get throttled quite a bit. So we do like taking off LinkedIn and putting onto emails, especially if it's someone who's got a pretty good presence. They're getting thousands of likes. Like There's just no way that you can get through all of that by connecting LinkedIn. So we take them off LinkedIn onto emails, but LinkedIn is kind of top of the funnel. Then the emails is mid and also bottom of the funnel. I mean, the two things that come to mind for that. One is it sounds just so simple, so people might easily dismiss it. And two is it's just so obvious if people are liking your contact to actually interact with them. You're so busy running AI tools to come up with your next piece of content that you haven't even responded to the people who are already responding to the content you've posted. And this is a very important thing. I know a lot of the successful people have at least a 50-50 split, half their time on creating stuff and half their time on leveraging, following up, promoting the content they've already created. I was definitely doing like a (laughs) 98-2. I create a lot of stuff and we weren't really maximizing it. We just leave a trail of content. But occasionally now I'm having conversations with people who like this also in my market and turns out in a lot of really successful businesses, Instagram is a really strong channel, but I'm actually having conversations with people on Instagram a fair bit. I don't like LinkedIn. I will say that they seem to have cleaned up the spam a lot. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm not really the B2B, the enterprise or people with jobs type person, right? I'm, I'm more with the individual smaller businesses seems to be my sweet spot. Yeah. But whatever platform you're on, I think this leveraging the content and turning it into conversations is the tactic. Mm. And it's a solid tactic, Will. I really appreciate that. Yeah, thanks, James. And it's a good point as well. You do have to pick your platform. I mean, most of my clients are actually, you know, people with jobs and same with my clients. That's why we're on LinkedIn. But I know you do an amazing job on Instagram. So if that's what works, hey, I mean, you use the platform that you can. And for me, I'm using the platform I can tolerate. You know, like (laughs) I don't have TikTok on my phone and I'm not participating in it. I hate it. (laughs) I don't love LinkedIn. I can deal with Twitter. It's okay. But Instagram is my favorite. It's where all the surfers are. I Mm. have a surf account and a personal account. I split them up a year or so ago to make it easier. That's the one I could live with, right? Uh, (laughs) And it's also where all of my clients are on Instagram pretty much. So I would say that's a true statement. So just a quick recap, I'm talking with Will Wang from Growth Labs with a Z.com. We've been talking about the five top lead generation tactics he sees. He's an expert at generating leads from thin air, from out in the cold. He's one of the few talents I know who can go out and absolutely stone cold generate leads for the right type of businesses. If you're not sure if you're the right type of business, ask him. We've talked about events getting in touch with people before, during and after events. We've talked about speaking on stage or on podcasts to really build that authority and cause conversions and to put your messaging into the right audience. We've talked about partnerships, how critical they are and can boost your business dramatically because you're basically having other people's, you're utilizing other people's assets in a way that doesn't conflict with them partnerships are great, but if you had to go it alone, at the minimum, innovate and strategize. You probably have all the assets and resources you need in the right engine, but maybe you need to change vehicles. So we talked about that. And number five was leveraging your content. If you're going to create stuff, if you're like me, more of an organic content marketer, then harness the energy that you're creating from that and actually get in conversations and fine tune your information and strategically 
follow the people who have your clients and start interacting with them. I'm sure if you go onto Facebook and you're in a sort of similar world to me, you'll keep seeing me comment here and there on, on people in the industry yeah. and you build up those connections and you're helping the platform know who they should show your content to. Will Wang, always a pleasure. What a great episode. Five top lead generation tactics. This is episode 1010 at jamesramco.com. We'll put a full transcript and some show notes to make it easier to digest. Thanks again, James. Love being on. This is James Shramko. 